I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Hi, folks. I'm having a good day today. Let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. And now, before we begin, I must know that I'm not a doctor psychiatrist. If your star darling is being diagnosed with autism, please see a physician. I'll explain some of my experiences. Also, I'm Mitchell today. I'd like to review with all of you. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the negative stigma off of autism and other conditions. People on the spectrum do not have to be broken. Those who have conditions and abilities do not have to be pitied. There's nothing to be sorry about. It also has some paid for the following. The topic of office easel promotions must be discussed. It is a promotional product store in Bloomington, Indiana to promote your company. Carl and Josh strive to offer a full-service advertising specialty company. Marketing tricks such as trade show programs and company outings can be done by them. They can be reached at 812-339-6739 or by email at info at officeeselpromotions.com. If you need business promotions, you will attract more customers if you use their service. Boston Scientific is another topic I would like to discuss. This company strives to improve life through scientific medicine. The company has offices around the world, including one in Indiana and one in Costa Rica. It is important for those who want to contribute to others live through science to hop abroad and join the team. To apply for a position, please visit bostonscientific.com or visit their website for more information. Now, folks, we'll be right back. We're hearing an ad from Wellspring Paint Solutions, so let's get to it. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Glasscott from the Glass in the Afternoon radio program on News Sports Talk 98.7 and AM 1370 and WGCLradio.com. And on behalf of Wellspring Paint Solutions, they're happy to partner with Sam Mitchell and the Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast. Wellspring Paint Solutions applauds Sam's mission statement to eliminate the stigma associated with autism. Here's what we want you to do. Check out the website, wellspringpainsolutions.com. You'll find out which of the four locations is closest to you. You'll get a chance to meet their team of providers and all the services offered at Wellspring. When you're there, now the fun really begins. You'll find the link to Sam's website where you'll find all his podcasts, background information on his guests, as well as all the merch in his merchandise store. You'll be amazed. You'll have fun. You'll enjoy it. All we ask you to do is take a listen and spread the word that autism rocks and rolls. All right, folks, we're back. I don't want you to be too nervous to meet these fine people. In today's episode, we have a queen in the house. I'm talking about the queen of pitch, Forbes Riley. Forbes is an award-winning national TV personality and has hosted over 110 national half-hour infomercials that have aired around the world and grossed more than $2 billion in sales. I met her through a virtual summit and I also knew I had to get on Autism Rocks and Rolls when I met her at PodFest in person because she did some motivational speaking and I was inspired and I was moved. So let's welcome Miss Riley to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Miss Riley, how are we doing? Always wonderful. Happy to be here, my darling. Thank you. I'm happy you're here too. So I actually want to start off with your motivational speaking. So the first question I have for you is what does being a motivational speaker mean to you? Well, I'll tell you what, it's one of the greatest gifts in the world because I can remember a time growing up when I was pretty awkward, ugly, lonely, and nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. And I decided about 20 years ago, after watching some amazing motivational speakers, I thought maybe I could do that. And as life would happen, and I'm sure you know that as well, you dream about something, it comes true. I had a meeting with Les Brown and he sat down and I watched a lot of his stuff and he said, you can do this. And I met with Joe Theismann, who is also a big motivational speaker, a big football player. 
and I wrote and wrote and wrote stories. And then I started standing up on any stage that would have me telling my stories and people seemed to like them. And I will tell you what, one of the greatest things that happened to me was I appeared on Clubhouse two years ago when it started. And I said, I wanna see more amazing women on the stages with these phenomenal men like Deepak Chopra, Les Brown, Grant Cardone. And I'll tell you what, the next day I got an email and they invited me to join them. And I am now touring around the country. And I think that being a motivational speaker is the greatest gift that I can personally do. I love it. But the way it moves and affects other people gives my life meaning. And I love it. Oh, I can definitely tell because I'll just say you definitely have the personality to do it. I will definitely say that. You know, it's funny because you don't know this is I grew up as a very shy, ugly little girl. I was very awkward. I talk about having braces in my mouth for eight years. And for two of those years, I had a tongue crusher. And so I talked like this. Nobody wanted to talk to me because I couldn't understand what I was saying. That was a big turning point in my life. And I think over the years, just like you, I've decided that I want to move people and you have to get out of your own way, even if it's uncomfortable and just do it, right? Yes, I'm like that too, actually. No one understood me. It's not that where I dared dash, obviously. It wasn't that situation, but it was where I was excluded and I just couldn't follow along. And people thought, well, because he's so different and he can't even follow along, let's just push him off. Let's push him off the diving board. He'll land safely in the water. <laughs> Try again, buddy. Well, so what is it that inspired you to step up and make your life matter more? To be honest with you, it was that reason. I was so excluded dealing with all the negative stereotyping and just... I was sick of it. I was just over it and over it. I think the bear finally roared. My listeners know this really well, but I could be angry at the world right now. I could be in my bed like, oh, why me? Why me? This sucks. <laughs> but where's it going to get me? Actually, this is one reason I wanted to do this with you because I admire that in you. So I grew up with a, a dad and I'll show you a picture of my dad. That's my dad. He never graduated college, but he built that printing press and he was a wacky inventor and he taught me magic tricks. And I used to watch lots of television. I didn't have a lot of friends growing up and that's okay. But he was this crazy, crazy inventor. And this kind of represents his garage. And one day he turned to me, he said, kiddo, how do I get my ideas out to the world? And I said to him, dad, I don't know, I'm eight. And what happened was I had a huge passion for inventors. The problem though is my dad died. What happens when you die is if you don't get your ideas out to the world, they die with you. And I made a very firm commitment to myself that I was going to matter more because my dad never got to experience what I think is the best part of life. It really is. I remember you talking about that during the MBX summit. And speaking of that, why I get into that, how did that opportunity arrive? If you don't mind me asking. That's one of those great things. It was such a last minute thing. I still am a little shy. I really am in my own world. I teach right now. I teach how to pitch, how to communicate. And I've made most of my money right through this television camera. I didn't even have to sell one-on-one -on -one to anybody. I sold one to millions. And because I used to practice with a hairbrush in the mirror, accepting my Oscar and my awards, I'm very good talking to nobody. Although I know there's someone on the other end of the camera. And I saw Jay. Jay is an old friend of mine. We've never worked together, but he said something about being at this podcast thing. And I said, really? And I just commented on it because I love to comment on posts. I'm someone who I still have a lot of virtual relationships. It's easier for me and my mind thinks very quickly to post 15, 20 posts in a few minutes. And I said something to Jay and he said, well, I'm gonna be in Orlando at this podfest." And I said, well, it looks really exciting. Maybe I'll get there one day. That was on a Tuesday. The event was on Friday. And he said, well, if I could get you to be a celebrity guest speaker on a panel, would you come? And I looked at my schedule and thought, anytime somebody invites me, if I can be there and use the word celebrity, I get very excited and bam, that's how quick it was. No one had ever thought to invite me to this before, even though I've had a podcast for almost 20 years. I just showed up and I will tell you it was magic. 
The people on that panel were extraordinary. And Jay is a very, very gracious, amazing guy. And let me ask you. So I know I met you a while back ago virtually on that MBX summit. But when I went to PodFest, I had the privilege of meeting you in person. And you said you were going to mention me on stage, which you did because of my authenticity. So let me ask, what was it about my authenticity that made you want to mention me on stage? Because you asked. I'm a huge fan of people deciding what they want and then going for it. Now in my world, when you manifest something that nobody else wants, we call it Forbesing it, because there's no real word for this. When you say, I'm gonna do something and everyone says, oh, you can't do it, which they've told me my whole entire life and you do it anyway. And so what I saw in you was one, a sense of joy and just very sweetness and just the way that you had asked. And I gotta tell you something, the reason I'm where I am is because other people looked at me and gave me a hand up. People my entire career have always helped me. I didn't do all this on my own. I go back to college. The first time this happened, I was in college. I was very young when I got there and I had fantasies of being an actress, but nobody's an actress in my world. That's not what you do. That's for other people. And I went to college to be a lawyer because that's what smart kids were supposed to do. But I auditioned and I used to audition for all of these plays, my darling. And I'll tell you what, I never got a part. I was always the chorus. I was always in the back and I'm standing in the back thinking, how come they just don't know how talented I am? Well, senior year of college, I auditioned for Shakespeare's As You Like It. Big role for a female. She's on stage for two hours. And when I went to the call board after I auditioned, I expect to see myself as like townsperson number three. I didn't even make townsperson number three. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, am I really that bad? And then I look to see who got the starring role. And oh my God, there was my name. And I'm gonna tell you something. I went to the director and I said, I'm sorry, did you make a mistake? I said, you gave me the lead role. And he said, you're my ideal Rosalind. I said, you're kidding me. And he sat me down and he said, yeah, you are tenacious and fun and great with communication. And he read down all of these things that no one ever thought. Wanna hear the crazy thing about Professor David Richmond? He was 100% legally blind. He couldn't see that I was maybe 10 pounds overweight or that my hair was a little frizzy. He didn't see all the other things that people see when they look at somebody. He saw who I really was. And based right. on his faith in me, I left to New York and became an actress. And that's awesome. And that's what I like too, because I've been shy before myself. You talk about being this shy, awkward kid. I was like that too. But when I was 16, I turned and see one of four making friends again, that girl for the listeners for more information. But basically, I saw this is getting me nowhere. Where am I going to go with this? Where am I going to go with being the shy kid in the corner? There you go. And then you come to realize, as I've grown up, that lots of famous people, lots of people that you admire were also shy and awkward. And most people feel like they're an imposter. And I will tell you, it was then that I realized that you just go for it because what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is you say don't- no. Yeah, well, the worst that happens is you don't live your dreams and you die with regret like my dad. Now, I do want to talk about you being the CEO of Spin Gym as well. So how did you being the inventor of Spin Gym happen? Oh my God, let me tell you something. I had the honor of being around, I don't know if you know this, but I'm one of the forces responsible for selling fitness products on television. I met a guy in the early nineties, cable TV had just started and I sold all these different fitness products. And one day I had a resistance band. Have you ever worked out with one of those? Yeah, like the things you pull up and you just go, Right, well it slipped off my foot and it shattered my nose. And I made a decision that says, I'm gonna find something that I like better. And for years I was looking for what is this product? There's something out there. And I said this to myself, there's something out there with my name on it, I'm gonna find it. And I was over in the UK and a gentleman had something similar to what this is. And if your audience cannot see it, but just here, it's three pieces of metal and string. And when I touched this, 
the first time I touched this, it vibrated. I felt it through my whole body and I thought, this is the greatest fitness product ever. And this English gentleman said to me, oh, no, 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 it's not a fitness product. We use it in the office as a de-stressor. And I said, dude, I'm in the fitness industry. I'm in the National Fitness Hall of Fame. This thing is a rockin' fitness product. And he said to me, look, if you can sell 25,000 in the first year, I will give you the company and go for it. Now, here's the crazy thing. I did sell 25,000 in the first year, took everything I had. And to date, I've sold two and a half million of these things. Well, guess what? You get another money because I think we might get some. If you design with autism colors, we might get it. <laughs> okay, so what are autism colors? Red and blue. We have light blue, we have dark blue, we have all kind of colors. I'd be happy to have that because I'll tell you what, I gave my product many years ago to a writer. She used to publish books. She came to me and I'm not, the, I don't know the most about autism, but I know there's a whole spectrum of it. She came to me the next day and she was in tears. And she said, Forbes, I did this with my son who is autistic, he's nine years old. He's never looked at me in the eye, except when we did your spin gym together. And it was one of the most amazing moments of my life. Wow. And that might help me with ADHD too, because I have um, really bad ADHD where I'm basically just like, oh, squirrel, da -da 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 -da. so I can't sit still. It feels like I'm you sitting on a toilet seat when I sit still. I'll tell you what, I've got bad ADHD as well. And my daughter makes fun of me all the time because I've got <laughs> all these ideas or whatever is going on. And I'm going to be careful. I think having ADHD has allowed me to get so much more done than people who don't. No, no, no. You can say that all you want because I 100% agree with you. Now, I do also want to talk about your life coaching. So what advice would you give to others who want to be life coaches? And what would you say they should do to take the steps in order to become one? By the way, not only are you sitting still pretty well, but you ask really, really good questions. I love the whole coaching thing. I was lucky enough when I was 31 years old to go to my first seminar. I didn't know what seminars were. And in that training, they had you examine your relationship with your mom and your dad and your self-esteem. I learned so much. When I left there, I decided that was going to be part of my life, that everybody should experience this. I don't know why they don't do this kind of coaching in high school. Because I left high school, I could not balance my checkbook and I had no idea how to put interpersonal relationships at all. And I realized that if you, number one, can stop labeling yourself and get out of your own way because people have told you your whole life the word no. Can I, can I go to the bathroom? No. Mom, can I, can I not clean my plate? No. You've been told no a lot. And so you expect no. Well, that's not reality. That's not life. And I'm going to say that when you discover who you are, and the power that you have, if your mom and dad was abusive, I've heard those stories, or alcoholics, or somebody bullied you in school, that's almost everybody. I talk to people who are 50, 60 years old, and they can still tell me that in fifth grade, somebody made fun of them, and that's why they're not living their dream. And I'm like, that's a 50-something-year-old memory. You've got to be kidding me. You don't hang on to clothes for 50 years. Why are you hanging on to memories that don't work? And I love the idea that I go in and I clean out people's closets of their head. And when you create your future, not from the past, but from the future, and you say, I'm going to do this and nothing's stopping me, you live this beautiful, different life. And so I share that with people. I love life coaching. I also, have you ever studied NLP? No, ma'am. So NLP is neurolinguistic programming. It's how your brain talks to your mouth and how you talk to the world. So if you're standing there and you say, well, I can't do this and I can't do that, your own brain hears it and other people hear it and they expect that you cannot do it. But if you have these positive affirmations and say, I'm, I'm going to be a podcast host no matter what anyone says, and boom, you are. I'm going to be an international celebrity motivational speaker. No one gave me permission to do this. I designed it from the future, from what I wanted. I didn't listen to any of the naysayers who told me what I could not do. And I went for it. And I'll tell you what, 
it works. In a way, you built your own engine is what it sounds like. And why not? Why do you have to ride around in somebody else's used car when you can build and design your own? Exactly. And, you know, I'm bringing my editor in. This is a rare occasion, but she can probably talk about her being bullying if she wishes to. Yeah. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Where's my, where's your little editor? There's your editor. I'm editor. He always calls me his editor, but I'm his mother first. So, hey, you know what? I'm in business with my 19 year old twins. Both of them work with me, for me, around me. And I love that relationship. And you, by the way, that was the other thing that got me excited about both of you is the mother son relationship. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I love working with him. We work really well together. You know, we have our disagreements, but he's amazing. No, 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 you were talking about bullying. I was very hardcore bullied when I was in school. I'm an educator now. I'm a teacher. I love that because I'm able to hopefully help the kids that are kind of going through that. But it took me a long time. That really resonated with me when you said, you know, you have a 50-year-old man who is still traumatized because of the bullying. I was probably almost 40 years old, really not that long ago, to when I finally realized that it wasn't me. It was these other people that had other issues and I was collateral damage. And it took me a long time. I suffered from eating disorders because of the weight jokes, because I've struggled with my weight since I was in fourth grade. And it really does stay with you. I can tell you exactly. Well, here's the thing. All right, so I'm going to share something sure. with you, which is why I train people. It stays with you if you choose to. Yeah. Here's the thing that you don't realize. We have a choice at every moment. So one of my choices is that I believe that memories are not real. How do I know that? Well, because if the two of us witness something at the same time and both try to describe it, it's a very different experience. You saw it one way, I saw it another way. So whose memory is accurate? And it's irrelevant. It's the decisions that you make about that moment. So it's not that they bullied you, it's that you decided to believe them and you decided to carry that with you. They don't even remember your name or that you exist anymore. But you made a choice and said, I'm going to continue to carry that with me. You can also just as easily decide to let that go. And it's a funny thing about the psyche. So let me ask you a quick question. It goes for you and your son. What's your first memory in life? Probably the first ever wrestling match I watched between Sheamus and Wade Barrett in a tables match. How old were you? I think six. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let's go back to age three or four. Where were you living? In Colleen, Indiana, ma'am. Okay, so you do remember that. Give me a memory from back then. I remember the days of actually fishing with my dad in the pond. Okay, how old were you? I think three. And what decision did you make about life based on fishing with your dad in a pond? I do like to fish. Now, I'll admit it, it's not like my favorite, favorite thing to do, but I do enjoy doing it every once in a while. Well, no, no, that's not quite the decision. The, the decision might have been that, is your dad still in your life? Yes. Is that having that relationship a decision that this is fun, that life is fun? Maybe that's the decision? Yeah, in retrospect, you could put it that way. All right, so now go back to the six or seven-year-old. When you watch that wrestling match, what decision do you make about life based on that moment? That I want to study it. I want to study it till the day I die. And so I have been fulfilling that. And I know you're fulfilling it because when you make those decisions, you act on them. I get a sense that one, you think life is fun, which is why you smile a lot. And two, you have this thing that you're moving forward with. Gina, what's your first memory in life? Probably my first memory. I lived in a log cabin when I was growing up that my dad built. And I remember that cabin. And I remember my mom standing at the sink when I was really small and she was doing dishes. And, and I, your parents love you? Yes. Oh, yes. So I'm going to share something with you. 
I'm going to say that your first memory is probably a very positive one. And if that's the case, when you got bullied, it shattered that decision so badly that that's why you took it to heart. Yeah, because I've always had a pretty strong personality. Like my house was, we didn't really have a lot of money. We were pretty poor, but we always had love. And my dad believed in me and my mom believed in me. We're always really close. We still are. And you're probably right. I mean, I went to school and I didn't do anything. I did well in school. I had big dreams. And then it's like nobody saw that. They just saw someone who was overweight. Now, by the way, I had that same issue. And I got to tell you what's really interesting is my mom was 260 pounds my whole life, which is why I'm in the fitness industry. And I suffered from a lot of that same thing. How do you feel nowadays that there's plus size mannequins and overweight women on covers of magazines? I think it's about time. And I think it's very realistic for my choice. I want to be healthy. Used to when I was in high school, even when I was in my twenties, maybe even early thirties, I wanted to be skinny. I wanted to be skinny and I wanted to shop. That's what they told us on the cover of magazines. Yep. You needed to be skinny. And now I don't feel as healthy as I should be. And that's what bothers me. So if you get older, your priorities change. And that's kind of where I am. One of the reasons that you're so close to your son is because you were raised with a sense of being loved. And I think that's important. The two of you have very lovely first memories. Let me go back to your son. Sure, uh, yeah. Well, to piggyback off that, and my father is the same way, but I don't say that we're not close with him. I wouldn't say that, would you? I just think that it's a different type of bond that we have, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, it's wonderful. You have sisters and brothers or it's just you? Heck no, I'm keeping it that way. <laughs> I love that. Now, what made you start doing a podcast? Well, it was really after I joined my high school's media club and I was kind of lost at that point in my life because I didn't know what I wanted to do because I was in freshman and worst year of my life, by the way. There's more information on that in the Making Friends Again, that girl episode as well. Basically that whole year, I felt like crap. But anyway, I started with the freshman Riley Dance Marathon. My best friend's in a wheelchair. He has spina bifida, but he lives his life like me. I mean, he's not like angry about it. He's just like, nah, whatever. But he goes to a hospital called Riley and I see people carrying down these cameras and then they talked about joining media club and what that is in the school. And it's not like, wasn't really promoted around my school, but they told me about it. They told me to join next year because of a lot of projects in the work. Okay, I did. So fast forward a sophomore, that's when I found the podcast and I just loved it. But I knew I couldn't stop doing it. I was just, it clicked with me. So I figured the only way to continue my media skills was to start my podcast. And that was when Autism Rocks and Rolls was born. I love that. Let me ask you a question. What does the word autism mean to you? I've been asked that many times and I've actually asked that myself when I have guests. But the word autism means to me a different way of thinking. And we have our own views on that. But as my mother says, different than what? If I could say something really fast too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that's really part of Sam's mission for Autism Rocks and Rolls Corporation because after about two or three years of having the podcast, it really got a lot of attention and Sam has become this entrepreneur. And so we have a board of directors of five. Sam is our executive director and I'm the president. That's really the mission that we have is to destigmatize that and to help people understand Sam's platform is those on the spectrum are successful in their own right. As far as how society defines success, that needs to change because success isn't necessarily going to a four-year college. Success isn't necessarily getting your driver's license when you're 16 years old. It's what is it that you're contributing to the world and are you trying to make a change? And are you a successful person in whatever realm that is? So one of my best friends 
I met her in the park. Her name is Christine. She's got cerebral palsy. And I met her and I got her to spin gym when she was a little girl. We became very close. And the thing about Christine is that she cannot stop smiling. She's the happiest person that I've ever met. And when you look at it technically, a girl who'll never walk and has been very much dependent on her mom, who was thrown away by her dad, is happy. And I've spent a lot of time. One day she looked at me and said, you know, you're one of the most successful people I know. And I said, why? She said, because you can walk across a stage in high heels and I never will. And it was at that moment that I rethought my entire life about what is the word successful mean? It's not how much money you have in the bank. For me, it's how many kisses I get from my husband who I love very much or that I wake up and I see my kids and just wake up. I remember I was sick for a while and I wasn't waking up very well. Success is how you define it. And I love that you are changing that for so many people because we need our eyes open. This is the year or this is the decade where gender is being redefined, where weight and body image is being redefined, where the word success. And I love that you were on the mission that you're on. I think it's pretty powerful. And I thank you for thinking of me and inviting me. Of course, there's actually a reason I was smiling. So my whole whole my life, I've been excluded with big groups. I'm going to be honest with you. This is kind of sad, but it needs to be heard. Podfest was the first time in my life I've been included as far as a big group comes. And I'm not joking when I say that. Really? Really. Like with big groups and some of my friends, like small groups, I'm good at, but like big, big groups, I'm always the one and the odd duck sitting in the corner. But you had such a giving spirit. And I will also say it's sometimes the responsibility of the person. I've sat in the corner. I don't drink alcohol. And sometimes going to parties makes me feel very uncomfortable. And I have to work at being there. I will tell you, being a little bit more famous definitely helps. That's one reason the more you famous you get your podcast, the better it will be. People like people who are achieving things, not necessarily as successful, but we like accolades. And then you asked me, you know, you said, well, you mentioned me on stage and I went, why not? Why would it, what an honor to be able to do that and to help somebody else? Because I think that's the true definition of success by the amount of people whose lives I have touched to say thank you to me. I do want to move on into your pitching. So you say you're the queen of pitching and I think based on what I've seen you are. So let me ask, what does it take to have a great elevator pitch? Well, an elevator pitch is different than a regular pitch. In all pitches, you have to be very clear on what you want. Your pitch to me was, would you be on my podcast? And I didn't have to say yes, but it was how you showed up. And I got a sense that me being here would elevate a great conversation between the both of us. And a lot of people need to hear that. So when you go to pitch someone, give more than you get. You might want to say, rather than would you be on my podcast is, Forbes, I have an audience that you've not normally reached. I think your message is very profound. I would love to host you on my podcast. That's hard to say no to. That's a great pitch. I never thought of that before. You just like amazed me and just got a light bulb in my head. I'm not even kidding when I say that. I I never said that. I'm going to start saying that now. Right. You reach a whole different audience. And I got to tell you, if you say it that way, everybody wants. And that's the glory of creating a pitch. I did that with Grant Cardone. I met him in the hallway. I had heard who he was. I didn't walk up to him first. I walked up to his wife. You know why? Because one woman walking up to another woman's husband is not a very good thing. I walked up to her and I introduced myself and I said, hey, I'm known as the $2 billion host of television. I think that your husband needs an infomercial because it would earn him an extra billion dollars. She turned to him and said, I need you to meet this woman. He said, okay. I met him and I said, look, I can change your career by putting you on television like I've done with people like Kevin Harrington at Shark Tank. And he's like, you're in. 20 second pitch. I didn't say, oh, I love you. I'm a huge fan. I gave him what he wanted. And that's how you get what you want. 
Right. I've always wanted to go on Shark Tank. I thought of that with this podcast before, believe it or not. Well, Shark Tank is only interested in numbers. Let me tell you something. If your podcast was saleable, if it generated great sponsorship, otherwise don't go. Those guys are ruthless. They oh, only- I've seen them ruthless, but I got to be honest with you. This is going to sound awful. I love the ruthless. I love <laughs> Kevin O'Leary because of his ruthlessness. Well, then get him on your show. I've considered it. Well, now, if you were to pitch him, what would you say? I would have told him what you said, an audience he would never have never thought of because he's so blunt, I'm blunt, and there's sometimes that we can't rein it in or have trouble reining it in. He'd probably work on that too, if I had to assume. I love that. There you go. The perfect elevator pitch. Thank you. You're very welcome. I really am the queen of pitch. I've been doing this for decades. I take companies and products and services and I can pitch them because I hear it like music. You know, Mozart somehow heard concert music. That's how I hear verbal communication. Well, Forbes, we'll be right back. We're here an ad from CPA Tax Service, Stephen R. Miller, CPA in Bloomington, Indiana, will take the stress out of your tax preparation and filing. With over 35 years of experience, he is knowledgeable, friendly, and will help you reach your goals of minimizing your taxes without having to spend days reading through dry, technical, and difficult materials. Mr. Miller will prepare your forms and meet with you prior to filing to make sure that you know what to do and when to do it. Stephen Miller and Assistant Angel Shearer will make sure your tax prep is easy. See them today at 205 North College Avenue in Bloomington, Indiana. Tax season is right now and not around the corner. Call Stephen Angel at 812-332-0557 or email at stmillercpa at gmail.com. Do it now and don't wait until the last minute to do your taxes. All right, folks, I'm back. And yes, please check them out because they will for sure be able to help you out with your taxes. Now, I do want to talk to you about something I watched on one of your videos once. You said your gratefulness has shifted because of you being older. So how did the gratefulness shift? When you're young, you're invincible. You think you're going to live forever. You have all of these dreams and hopes and you want to maybe have a family, maybe start a business, maybe do this, maybe write a book. Well, when you get a little older and a lot of those years are behind you, you start to go, wow, mortality is a little bit more present than I've ever thought. I am 17 years older than my husband. I am 42 years older than my children. I'm at an age where the number doesn't make any sense to me. How old are you right now? I'm 19. Oh my God, my kids are 19. You're an entire world ahead of you. You're going to be 29 and 39 and 49 and 59. I'm 62 years old. And just saying it just resonates in my ears that number one, I have earned a place of respect because I've been doing this a really long time. But I also want to make the time that I have left on this planet matter so much by being present, by creating and writing the books I said I was going to write, by doing the projects. And then know that when I'm done, I don't want to have any regrets. I will tell you one thing I like about you is feels like sometimes the older you get, the more serious people take things. You seem like the complete opposite. Oh, I am a kid. I'm lucky like your mom to have a 19 year old. I think that's a great age. You guys are very unique. You grew up with cell phones in your hands. You think you can do anything. And my kids are my best inspiration. I've always been really young. In my head, I'm like 22 years old. I love, you know, doing all kinds of crazy things. And I'm married to a guy 17 years younger because I'm still a kid. And that's a phenomenal. I like being a kid too, almost. And I'm 19. I don't know. What's the word adult mean again? Oh, it means boredom. It means stead, stodgy, uh, set in your ways. I've always had this fire inside of me. I'm grateful to the universe for helping me ignite that. And I just want to spread the love. There is a problem I do want to talk about. You have been, when um, when I've done some general research, you have mentioned, you think the issue is students and like others are letting their past control their future. So how as a world and a universe, can we stop others from like having the past 
control their future and just enlightening them on, you don't have to be this. This is not who you have to be for the rest of your life. Well, number one, you can't tell anybody what they need. You have to be really careful that when you're pitching something and you've got a great product, you don't tell somebody they need it. You get them to want it. And so one of the things that I do, and I know there's other people in the world who do it, but I hold seminars and trainings. In fact, every Sunday for two hours, and you're welcome to come do it as my gift, I teach how to pitch. I teach it on Zoom. I've been doing it every Sunday since COVID started, and I've changed over 12,000 lives. But I have this other thing that I love, and it comes about breakthrough. And I think you don't want to go to therapy. You just need to go to a breakthrough specialist who will light up the neurons of something that you're holding on to in the past, and you can change your thoughts like that. I've been a hypnotist and I've been a magician and I've seen miracles happen. And a miracle is truly when you let that memory go, that memory of like your mom being bullied or somebody being raped or some alcoholic dad beating you up. You can literally erase those memories like deleting a button or a file on a computer. And if you believe that and understand how to do it and you delete files that don't work for you, your life becomes so much freer. And what people say to me is they feel lighter. They look brighter. And that's the coolest thing about letting the past go. You bet you know sometimes, Forbes, it's not easy to let the past go. I mean, I have let go of my past for the most part, but there's still some um, parts that it has left me. Because of the past, I would say I'm more, not of an angry person or a defiant, but a defending type person, more of a defending person. Well, I'm going to tell you, I have a way, I have a technique to get rid of this. I don't know if we should do it on your podcast. Uh, because it's a little bit, you know, sometimes some yelling and screaming, but I will tell you, just the way you said it's hard to let go of your past, I will challenge you and say that's not true at all. It's been your experience to date. You haven't met me. I let people's past go like that. There's a system to do it, a way that you go through it, and all of a sudden it's like, wow. And so at some point, not right now, we will schedule a session to do this. I'm going to blow your mind. I think I know where this is going. I remember that MBX Summit. You talked about this screaming about like powerful and all that. I remember that. I actually yep. did it. Yep. Yep, yep. I will tell you, when you light up the neurons in your head, you can rearrange them. You can let anger go. You can literally forget memories. It's possible. To end, I think these are just for some, for some fun questions. So my first one is, what is your paradise meal or favorite food? And why is it your favorite? Oh, wow. I grew up eating lobster. It was my all-time favorite food. My mom used to grill it. That was just like the biggest fantasy of having a, a lobster that you can dip in butter. I think my dad's a big seafood guy. He likes the fish, scallops. Yep, me too. I grew up right on the water. I'll tell you a good place to go to eat seafoods, Destin, Florida. Okay. Best seafood alive. The back porch. That's my dad's favorite. It's not one of my favorites, but I definitely do like the food they offer. That and my sister, we grew up clamming. Like you'd literally walk out into the bay and dig up clams with your toes. And she would make the most succulent grilled baked clams that you've ever had in your life. Now, what is your favorite movie or TV show and why do you like it? Oh my God. You know, I'm a TV-aholic and a movie-holic and I can name a hundred movies that have affected me. I'm going to go with Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour. Now, you may never have seen this, but it's listed as one of the most romantic movies of all time. I did a Broadway show with Christopher Reeve. I have a huge spot in my heart for the original Superman. And when watching that, the lead character's name was McKenna. I saw it when I was about 25 years old. And I said to myself, I'm going to have a daughter named McKenna. And I do. And you're a woman of your word. And those on the spectrum are mans of their words. Because with Back to the Podcast for a minute, that's what I did. I was a man of my word because when I said I'm going to start a podcast, I'm going to start it. And I ain't going to lie to you. Yep. I love movies. Movies have been my savior my whole life. Yeah. That's not really. Mine's TV series. It always has been. It's okay. <laughs> as long as it's video. Same difference to me. Exactly. Now, what is your favorite vacation I've ever taken? And why did you enjoy that vacation very much? 
Mm, I had it on my board last year. I wanted to go to Costa Rica and I also had Dubai up on my vision board. And I got an invite from nowhere, which is amazing, to go to a mastermind in Costa Rica. And I took my husband and my kids and we stayed for two months. We fell in love with the water, the ocean. I just, my, just didn't come home. I kept renewing. I kept moving my airline ticket. And then I got two first class tickets given to me as a gift to go over to Dubai. Oh my God, you've never seen a place like that. We stayed at the base of the world's tallest building called the Burj Khalifa in the Armani Hotel, which was like 800 bucks a night. I mean, I grew up with no money. This place was extraordinary. The Ubers there are all Lexuses. It is like completely otherworldly. So between Costa Rica and Dubai, I gotta tell you, if you get to go to them, go to them. Yes, ma'am, we will. And my dad likes tropical, so we're big tropical people. So we'll definitely try to get on the beach there maybe one day. Tuesday, I leave for Greece with my daughter. I went to Greece 25 years ago, and I'm going to take my little baby girl, and then my son's going to meet us there. So I'm excited. I'm always excited for the next adventure. Me too. I'm like that as well. Now, are there any good memories that you want to mention before we end? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? Now, before you answer, I always like to end with a good memory and a funny memory that made you fall on the floor. But it's your call how you want to answer it. Wow. Well, I want to say one of my favorite memories of all time, I relive almost every day with my husband, was the moment that we met, was because I was doing spin gym in a hotel room in Las Vegas, and my videographer said, hey, do you want to meet a two-time Mr. Arnold fitness champion? And I thought, okay, fine, right, whatever. And there's a knock on the door, and they're standing, this unbelievably beautiful man, he comes in and we spin gym, and I leave. I don't really think about it because he's younger and he's really fit. And well, the next morning he put a Instagram picture of us up and he said, I've just met the most wonderful woman. I hope I can do an infomercial with her one day. We started a relationship online talking back and forth. And three months later, one of my favorite memories of all time was he got on his motorcycle and he drove from Las Vegas to my house in California wearing all black leather. And he is a six foot two former Chippendale playgirl model. And he got off his bike, took his helmet off. And I went, oh my God, like it was out of a movie. It was slow motion. And here's the best part of that memory, my darling, is I then kind of said, wait a second, he must be here because he thinks I've gotten money or he's a gold digger or something. What would he be here? He came over to me. He knelt down on one knee and he said, I want to let you know something. I'm not very religious, but something told me that you need me. Best moment of my life. That is a wonderful memory. When that comes to me one day. Let me tell you, I fantasized about it a lot. I was single for like 10 years and I was very, very lonely in the love department, but I was raising my twins and I loved my kids and I didn't want to separate my heart. And so when they got to a certain age, it was time to meet him. And so for you and everyone listening, I would imagine what you want your perfect partner to be like. What do they do? How do they make you feel? And I'll tell you what, draw a picture of them. I had a really clear idea. I'm blown away that this man is my partner. And if that can happen for me, miracles do come true. Yes, ma'am, they do. Forbes, I think that's all. Is there anything you want to promote or closing remarks before we head out? Well, number one, if you guys want to come find me, you simply go to www.forbesreilly.com. If you go there, there's a free gift waiting for you. There's some great video gifts and you can come spend some time with me on Sunday live. And I'll tell you what, I've built a community of about 5,700 members right now online in a private Facebook group, it's free. And so come say hi, if you're an entrepreneur, if you wanna level up, if you wanna get to know me better. I mean, he and I just met at a podcast festival and I'm here. So I'm more accessible than you would imagine and I'm always happy to help. So reach out, touch me, tell me some great stories and let's see what we can build together for the future. Again, thank you Forbes, have a wonderful time in Greece. I adore you, my darling. Thank you, thank you. Give your mom a huge, huge hug. Bye you guys. 
Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming in very soon. I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much. Thank you.